you're listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. Okay, you guys, I am back on the podcast today with Irene Hayquist. She's the founder of her own firm here in San Diego. She's been practicing law for 21 years and has advocated for women in cases including sexual harassment, discrimination, retaliation, and wrongful termination. She's motivated by her childhood and personal healing journey, which she gets into in her new book that just came out, Fired Up, Fueling Triumph from Trauma. I love the title of that, by the way. Thank it's you. So good. Um, and she's here to get into that a bit today. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm really, really excited. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm just going to have you just jump right in. I'd love to start with like your personal story of like how this healing journey started, how you got into law, as much as you're willing to share. Um, yeah, just dive in. Sure, sure. So um, my story of you know what I'm bringing up and what I needed to acknowledge to be on a healing journey was just the abusive childhood I grew up with. Um, my father was a terrifying figure um, when I was a child and was abusive in all the ways. He was verbally abusive, he was mentally abusive, he was emotionally abusive, and he was sexually abusive. You know, my mom, who I was hoping, you know, would be the one that would protect me or say something, yeah. um, she never did. She stayed silent. And so that had a you know tremendous impact, um, that trauma left behind. And, I kept it a, sil- a secret, less, I mean, I'd been silent about it um, the majority of my life. The majority of the people, you know, didn't know anything about me until my book came out. Wow. Um, and I'm doing that because to be on the healing journey, what I have learned is that by acknowledging it, I was able to heal from it. Yeah. And by keeping it inside, the only person that I was hurting was myself. And, you know, the abuse already had left so, so much baggage behind yeah. um, that I didn't want it to take any more from me. Wow. I'm going to just like jump in and read like this part that I highlighted in the beginning of your book because (laughs) it's so good. And I think it really speaks to like what you're talking about. But the literally first paragraph of your book, if you had met me in the fall of 2015, you would have thought I had everything I could possibly want. And on some level I did. At 38, I had fulfilled my dream of finishing law school, starting my own successful law practice and was entering trial lawyers college to become a better trial lawyer. I was married to a wonderful man and had a beautiful three-year-old daughter. My life was full and yet I felt so alone. It was so good. Like right when I read that, I was like, it was, it was really powerful for me, for me because I feel like a huge part of healing from past trauma, um, no matter what level is that there's this weird like common denominator that being alone in it and not saying it out loud almost is more healing than not speaking about it. And I feel like it's a lie we tell ourselves over and over and over again. So do you think that writing this book or like the start of your healing journey was like that feeling and that realization or was that kind of the moment you were like, I don't have to hold on to this anymore? Yeah, I think for me it was, it, I really believed that I could push it aside. Like I should stop complaining about my trauma um, in my head. Really, I wasn't complaining to anybody else, yeah. but I was living a good life. I was, you know, I went to law school. I'm married to a wonderful man. I have a daughter. I have a law practice. People look up to me. I'm, you know, litigating cases in court. So why am I talking about what happened to me when I was 10 years old? Like get over it, move on. Life is good. People have it much worse. And it wasn't until like the consequences really started becoming really in my face. One with having a daughter and my own daughter was triggering me and I couldn't be able to just enjoy 
those moments that should be like really happy moments. Um, and I had a lot of physical symptoms that I couldn't get rid of. Um, and so it was really that. It wasn't like I felt these things and was like, okay, it's time to heal. It yeah. was really, you know, shoved in my face and I had to start, you know, yeah. taking notice of it. Well, and I know that one of your chapters in the book is like the body keeps score. And I feel like it gets to a point where like you can't push it down any longer or you're just going to be like physically ill or like go crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel like I hit that in my own journey where I was like, I have to start getting help and like a huge reason why I started this podcast and the community in general was because of this like feeling of loneliness and I felt like so many people feel this and especially when it comes to past trauma and no one's talking about it and you speak a lot in this book about speaking your truth working through your stuff because of this feeling among a lot of people um which is that they're alone in their struggle yep and you do you think you're all by yourself and you think you know, you've only experienced this. Nobody will understand it. People will judge you. You know, people won't like you when they find out about it. Um, and so you keep it in for so long. But again, it starts having um, effects, you know, both mentally um, and physically on you. And so you can't let that continue. And if you want to be living your best life, that's why I really believe the first thing we got to do is acknowledge it. And for me, you know, coming out with the book was really a way to help other people share their stories. Like, I get how it's hard. And I'm not telling everybody to write a book, but I am telling everybody (laughs) to stop keeping it a secret and stop keeping it silent. And, you know, it's baby steps, right? Like, um, you know, the first thing I ever did was just journal. Like, I let let it out just by writing to myself. Like, nobody was going to read it. Yeah. Um, And I did that, you know, back in college. And then I burned it. I thought, okay, well, done we're done we're good right and move on like all better (laughs) all better (laughs) i wish that was the case yes um would you be able to so like timeline wise because i was reading obviously a bit of your book Mm -hmm. um that scene that you talk about in the book about being in the classroom Mm -hmm. like where is that timeline is that like the beginning of the healing journey like could you get into that scene a little bit sure so back in the fall of 2015 i went to trial lawyers college and at this point I had never verbalized to anyone that, you know, my dad, you know, molested me basically. And um, I had never. You're married at this point. I'm married. Okay, and, the firm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I had, you know, written it in the journal, but I'd never verbalized it. And at the trial lawyers college, they do, um, it's called psychodrama. And you're basically trying to get in touch with your own feelings. Um, and so we're in the scene, somebody else is there and they, um, you have to recreate where you were at to get yourself, you know, back in that moment. So and scary. So scary. So this is a group of strangers. I had just met them, and this is our first week, and they just, you know, throw you in. Um, and she has, she's recreating a scene of when she was um, molested by her brother, and she told her story um, as to what happened, and you know, essentially was recreating it. And there was a mattress on the floor, which, you know, and so scary so 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 intense and you know every we're sobbing like everybody's crying and that was really powerful to me because you know she was so vulnerable and shared her story and you know when I got up there it was my turn and I I was not planning to talk about it I was going to talk about you know being bullied um you know based on the way I looked as a kid because that was easy I could talk about that trauma you're like let me look in the trauma little bag like what's what comes off as like really really deep and not the deepest exactly exactly and that one worked so I was like okay I can do that one and I went back to you know I grew up in the San Fernando Valley I 
took myself back there and was recreating that scene. The psychodramatist who was leading the session, she's like, well, you know, what did you do when you get, came home? And that just oh, took gosh. me, yeah, that took me away because she was expecting me to talk about how, you know, my parents, you know, protected me and, you know, they went to go talk to the teachers or something. I'm not sure what she was expecting me to say. <laughs> um, and instead, I just started sobbing and she's like, was home not safe? Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. And so um, that was the first time I let it out um, about, you know, what was going on at home, not to the detail um, that I get into in my book, but just on that real surface level of, you know, as being um, abused by my dad. And, you know, he wasn't the first person that did it to me. You know, there was yeah. other family members as well. And um, and then I just sobbed in her lap for I don't know wow. how long, but it had I been building up. You've it been had, wanting yeah, that for yes, a while. Yes, exactly. And that was like the first time where I like let it out and instead of like being shunned like I had thought would happen yeah. or people think thinking I was disgusting um it was the opposite you know people like hugging me um saying thank you for sharing and it just kind of like made me realize like it's gonna be okay yeah like, it's okay to share that was like a part of your book that I highlighted because I thought it was so beautiful one speaking to the point of like we fool ourselves into thinking that like if we bear and hold this alone that it will go away and that like if we talk about it it's going to get worse or somehow just like ruin our lives um and in reality like i'm sure you felt so relieved to let that go after so many years yes for sure like it was it was really freeing but then that was the point of like okay then what right like it yeah. didn't you know cure everything so <laughs> by letting it out but that's when I got into therapy so after that um, trial lawyers college that's when I started therapy for the first time and, wow um, therapy I also expected like okay I'm going to talk about this and I'm, I'll you know go to him for four you know four sessions we'll talk about it <laughs> it'll be good I'll be good to go and I'll be back that would be amazing <laughs> I would pay serious money for that to happen. That's what my therapist told me. He, la he laughed as well. He just was like, okay. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm still seeing him today. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. There was another part that I really loved. Um, and when you talk about the picture frames, I loved that part. I mean, I, I loved it in the sense that it was so relatable for me because um, the scene is like you have picture frames, but you don't put any pictures of your family and they just stay empty because you long for like a different backstory. And I think that there's a part of the healing journey and just like when you've dealt with childhood trauma in any form, like you kind of just want to feel quote unquote normal. And I think yeah. you just like eventually come to this realization that like no one's normal. And I think that's a part of speaking your story and speaking your truth. Yeah, there's so many of us. I mean, that's another thing that, you know, just blew me away. I had, again, I thought I was it. I was the only one. And now that I do this work, um, you know, at my law firm, I've learned, you know, the stats, like the number of women that are sexually assaulted and it's 50% is what the CDC reports. I mean, I think the number's a lot more because- Which is insane. Yeah, which is insane. 50% is insane. But it's insane. more. <laughs> but it's more. And so, and the fact that we don't talk about it, we just live in it ourselves and like just feel the effects of the shame ourselves um, and let it continue to traumatize us. Um, that I think needs to stop. And I think the way it stops is by us being able to talk about it and having this conversation and yeah. like letting other women know like it's gonna be okay when you start talking about it. Yeah, and I think that um, it's one of those things that will slow, like will be a slow change, but we can't expect any change if no one's talking about it. Um, but another part of it is I think like when you're working through 
like all this past trauma, it becomes so difficult and so hard to cope with that I feel like we kind of get in that victim mentality of like, I wish I was normal. I wish I had a different story. Like, how do you cope with that now? Like, I know you're obviously still working through all this and the healing never stops, but how do you cope with all of those feelings? For me, like I've embraced my, my backstory just because it allows me to relate so much to my clients and what they're going through and the emotions they're experiencing when they're coming to my office, right? Because they um, have experienced, you know, some sort of sexual harassment or some sort of assault or, you know, being treated differently just because, you know, the way they were born. Wow. Um, And when they come in, like, I have been there. I have been in that helpless, hopeless state where I just think there's nobody that's going to be able to help me and I'm stuck, you know, um, where I'm at. But being able to help them and feel like stand up for themselves and getting themselves to feel empowered is powerful. So I don't yeah. hide from my story anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you. I'm not saying I'm glad all those things yeah. happened to me, but um, but I think it allows me to do the work I do in a very um, a very different way um, and in a, essentially a special way. Like I think as a result, I have a special talent that, you know, not everybody does. Yeah. I always remind myself of that too. Like all of the hardship, like has led me to this point now, like I wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing and it makes us who we are. And I think a huge part of trauma is like continuously running from like who you actually are and like aligning with your true self, which is what causes like sickness and anxiety and depression and all of it. And I think like as hard as it is, like aligning with yourself and like continuing on to like heal and grow is like what actually is easier and what gets you to a true place of self. Exactly. Like one of the things that I've learned through through my healing journey is my fight to push it away, to want a different life, to, you know, wish I had a different story. Um, that was actually, that was what was creating the turmoil in my body, right? Because yeah. it was my own self fighting with itself, right? That's like the autoimmune diseases that you hear about. It's when yeah. you're just, you're essentially, your body's fighting with itself. And so when you can, you know, take it in um, and feel what it felt like to experience that trauma um, or that moment that you went through and absorb it, it's going to be, you're going to then be able to be better off than you were. And yeah. it's painful. That's the thing. It's painful. Um, but the pain doesn't like last after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's easier to like accept because questions are answered and you've been able to like talk through a mm-hmm. lot of it. Would you say that like before this like instance happened in the class and like you started seeing your therapist, like, were you very, like, were you really triggered, like working with your clients or were you able to kind of like, were you disassociating from it? Like, how were you able? And then how has it changed now that the book is out? I was triggered by the people that I was going up against. Um, so it wasn't my clients that were triggering me. It was the, um, the opposing counsel, like attorneys, like male attorneys, male judges. Um, it was all of these people that were asserting power, um, over either me or my client, that would trigger me. And I would, um, I would just be angry a lot. So my trigger was just a lot of rage. Um, and I just thought it was everybody else pissing me off. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. me. It was just if everybody stopped being so stupid um, or stopped doing X, Y, and Z, you know, I would be fine. Um, but it was really understanding that that place of rage was coming from, you know, when I was a child and not expressing it. Um, totally. Or the rage of the situation I was in. And so um, through my healing process, I have learned how to um, control that anger 
and use it, you know, in the courtroom on behalf of my client. So yeah. again, that's what makes me, you know, special as a lawyer um, on behalf of these women is because I can harness that energy and that passion um, to advocate for them. So cool. It's like your superpower. It's like my superpower. <laughs> yeah, like I turned it around, you know, but like I had to, like that, that had to come to like an awareness of it that that was even what was going on. Yeah, no, totally. I think like I always viewed myself as like an angry person. Like, it's so funny because I was going to go to law school, too. Like, I feel like <laughs> trauma kids just, like, become lawyers. <laughs> but I didn't. I ended up doing this. But, like, I was always so angry all the time, so easily triggered. Like, everything was the end of the world. Like, someone would cut me off on the road, and I would just, like, flip out. And I think that was, again, like, what we're saying, like, a lot of just, like, not aligning with, like, my story and, like, who I am. And it's, like, violating my conscience. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I was like the the person that got it the, the worst was my my sweet husband. Um, he's oh, like, soul. I know he's <laughs> like the most patient and sweet man, but you know, he would just like I could go off in like five seconds for I don't even yeah. know what like the way he looked at me or what he said or if I thought he was lying or um, I thought his tone meant something else and um, same thing. I used to think it was him, and when we went through um, like couples counseling you know that's where it first came out that he was scared of me and that broke my heart like that just like shocked me because I had been this terrified little girl my whole life and now I was the scary one that also provided a lot of introspection um, of my role Um, but it was still a few years out before I got it you know to where I'm at now so (laughs) powerful that you say that because I think like a lot of people who grow up in like really chaotic homes or like have really bad childhood trauma they just like they become so accustomed to being so protective of themselves and so defensive and like they view everyone as like bad and out to get them and then you get older and you like get sent out into the real world and you assume the same of everyone else rightfully so yeah that is so so true and like it's so hard because you have to like rewire your brain essentially which you do through time but also like start giving people the benefit of the doubt and like trusting people and I know that for me like doing that has like reshaped my life and my relationships and like given me a whole new view on the way the world works because I saw it as such an evil place yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. like when you assume everybody is just like the people you grew up with and you're like oh no that's not what's going on yeah you're like it's actually not that bad but I do think like dealing with a lot of like toxic energy growing up I feel like it's given me a lot of insight into like being able to read people really well like once I got past assuming the worst in everyone (laughs) I actually feel like I had like a level of understanding of like where people were coming from um even when it was like a mistake or like I feel like I got to see people's heart like in a different way too 100 percent. yeah I can totally agree with that I I'm the one who at the firm like meets with all the clients because I feel like I can I can make a connection and understand where they're coming from quickly, you know, yeah. like it doesn't take a lot of time yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to ask you, so like as someone who's dealt with like a lot of women, like being sexually harassed, being mistreated, like in some capacity at work, like what would you say is like the most frequent case? Like what are women dealing with really? Like, I don't even know if like, I really know the exact definition of like what is considered sexual harassment. I feel like we throw this word around and like, we don't even understand it. Yeah. So sexual harassment in the workplace is any type of unwelcome conduct um, and that and that's sexual in nature. So it could be touching, it, it could be verbal, um, and it could even be like leering or staring at you um, when you don't want it. Um, and where it's like interfering with your ability to do your job at work 
and it's creating an environment that's intimidating or offensive. That's kind of like the legal definition of it. That's so uh, interesting. Yeah, so a lot of people think either it's like touching or some sort of like sexual, you know, ass grabbing, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can say it. <laughs> I'm like, you say it. Well, it's funny you say that because like mostly women probably think that. Yes. Because women always are just like, oh, well, like he's just staring. It's fine. Or like, I feel like women are so good at being okay with in like in an uncomfortable state. Well, just not wanting to rock the boat. Yeah. Like not wanting to ruffle anybody's feathers. And we kind of just assume like maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe he didn't yeah. mean that. Maybe he meant something else. And oh, everybody likes him. If I say anything, you know, I'll be looked as the bad one. So it's like, yes, we always go back to like blaming ourselves and thinking it's our fault for whatever this other person did. So and so I think that's probably one of the, the misconceptions when women come into my office. They don't, you're right, they don't know what their rights are and they don't know if what happened was okay or not okay um and then they don't know really what to do or how to how to navigate it once it happens um and is this usually like as they're working at the company or like after the fact so it's usually when they're working at it could be both so sometimes they're working at the company and they're looking for like hey this is going on how do i handle it and sometimes they've tried to handle it by telling hr and you know have been let go so they've been fired for it wow um, and so it could be one or two, like one time, you know, some come to me trying to just stop the behavior and figuring out how, and then some come to me because they've lost their job over reporting it, which is also so illegal. sad. Yeah. What do you say? Like, I know these women are coming to you, but I'm assuming a lot of them want to like eventually either stop or like back down or whatever. Like, where do you think that comes from? And like, what do you say to them? Cause I know that you talk a lot in your book about just like staying silent and how important it is, is to speak up and like to go through with these types of things. Yeah. So there, you know, some of them are scared. Like if they have spouses or partners, um, they are worried about how that person perceives them. Totally. You know, like how did they let this happen? Right. Because that's what they're thinking. How did I let this happen? I should have been more forceful in the no. Like I should have punched him or I should have, you know, done X, Y, and Z. And just it's like, women things. Just, yeah. <laughs> Um, and sometimes it's, they're worried about how the work will perceive them. Like, am I going to get fired or, um, is nobody, you know, nobody at work, they're not going to give me the assignments that I want or they'll demote me. Um, and, you know, essentially affect their income and their livelihood. Um, some of them are worried then about, um, what happens after the fact like let's say they've been fired and if they file a lawsuit how will like somebody in the future look at them like a you know prospective yeah. employer um so those are all you know concerns and things that we we go over um one you know from the beginning of you know worrying about your partner it's like same thing there's there's nothing you've done that's wrong so yeah. you just you got to be upfront about it this is what happened and um, in a, in a work environment, not everybody knows how to advocate for themselves. Like not everybody has a voice that they can yeah. speak up and don't know how to best go about it. Um, in a situation of where they're worried about the prospective employer, I mean, I've never had a client who's been unable to get a job because they filed a lawsuit. No, but I think you're really speaking to, especially in the beginning, this like shame that women go through, like so much shame about honestly, everything we do. I, women just constantly overthink. And I feel like a lot of people make a joke about that, but that translates into everything. And women are just constantly feeling ashamed. And as someone like myself and like, I would say every single one of my friends has experienced either sexual assault or sexual harassment, which speaks to yep. the statistic. Yep. And I don't know anyone that's reported it. Yep. So there you right. go with the right. other part of the statistic. I mean, it's just insane. And I guess I, I would love for you to get more into like 
What's the chapter in your book you talk about like silence is like gaslighting itself or what's the way you, the yeah, way you yeah, word silence it? is the biggest gaslight Sa- of all silence is the biggest gaslight yeah please expand <laughs> <laughs> like if you say anything you're going to be the problem yes right? and we have this belief into thinking that like if I say anything I would be the bad one right yeah. like it wasn't the person who caused the did the abuse but yeah. I'm going to be looked at as the one with the problem well women um, who like create quote-unquote problems are looked at a certain way and it's really sad that we've been just taught through like society that like speaking up or confrontation makes us crazy or dramatic or sensitive yeah but what's to me is just what's crazy is like the laws that are created by our society are very clear that none of this allowed is allowed yeah and so it's the fact that we have all these laws to protect us all these laws that say this is not acceptable behavior but then we're we're still scared to speak up about yeah. it that it was somehow our fault that it happened. Yeah. Um, why do you think that, from your perspective, just like, why do you think that is, like, besides the obvious? Like, obviously women are looked at a certain way, <laughs> and are feel a certain way, are made to feel a certain way, but, like, working with clients, like, what have you noticed about these situations? So I think I go back to, like, they, they think that because they think they're all alone, that they think they're the problem, right? Because yeah. we're not talking about it. Yeah. Um, just recently with one of my cases, um, you know, this woman, this guy assaulted her and she was so embarrassed about it, doesn't say anything. And then when it comes to find out it had already happened to five other women before her. Wow. And it shocked her because it was like, this guy's still here. Nobody's talking about it. And he's still just going from one person and another to assault each of them. And until somebody says something, nothing changes, you know? No, a hundred percent. And I think that translates too into like, talking like here right now like your story I'm sure this is like so like has been so incredibly difficult and I'm so thankful for you for being vulnerable and like talking about this but like even in my case like I haven't experienced what you have but like I get scared to like come on on a microphone or online and talk about like my mental health or my childhood trauma or what I've been through but like I think I always women need to do a better job of like grounding themselves and like why like and try their best to be selfless in this way. I think we're, we, we think and kid ourselves that we're being selfless in other ways um, by not coming forward, by protecting our spouse, by protecting our job, our employer. But in reality, like we should channel that selflessness to like other women who like also are going through the exact same things per the statistic you shared. Exactly. And that's why I wrote the book is I want to be able to help women get on a healing path so they can live their best life and not be stuck in this place that I was forever you know life is short so um there's not a lot of time to to live your best you started your firm um and I'm not like too familiar with the history but like how were you open about a history of abuse or did you just say that you were passionate about it and then before this book came out you had to tell like your staff (laughs) about it like how did yeah my staff just found out just like with everybody wow um so yeah no my partners didn't know or anything so when I started my firm 15 years ago um, I left a very like male-dominated uh, law firm, and I just wanted to create something different—a different culture, a different environment, one where you know it could be centered around inclusivity and belonging and community. And so I wanted to help, you know, those that have been victimized and abused, but I didn't say it was because I knew what they experienced and I understood it. Yeah. So no, this is. Um, this has been part of the evolution of me and my growth to be able to do that. Yeah. And do you feel like it's brought you all closer and made you like stronger as a firm as well? Because you're like, it's so personal now. It's so personal. It's so open. Um, and that's why, you know, I tell them, I'm like, well, there's really nothing 
you don't know about me now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. You know how you sometimes they do those circles. It's like, tell tell us three things nobody would know about you. I'm like, you guys kind of know it all now. Dude, isn't that funny? Like, I feel that way too, like on a lighter note. Like, even when I like go out on dates and stuff, I'm like, try not to like say that like I have a podcast or that like I'm online. Cause like if they listen to this thing, like all of my garbage is like out there like quickly. I'm like, oh gosh, like they're just gonna know real quick. Real everything quick. real quick yeah that's so funny kind of switching gears you talk in your intro about how you grew up in a home um that didn't accept a lot of like emotion like crying but a lot of anger was accepted oh my gosh resonated so deeply with that because I feel like something I've been working on a lot um especially this last year because I like I feel like as you you could probably relate to this like as you're in therapy you start working through like the core of stuff and then you realize like oh crap, there's more I didn't even know about. And like, as you experience new things, you start getting all these new triggers. And one of mine is I get incredibly insecure when I show like any type of like quote unquote weakness. And for me, that's just vulnerability, like in a sad cry way. Like I have no problem like being like confrontational, like positively confrontational when I have a problem or like being able to talk to people about how I feel or like on a podcast, but like something about like crying or any type of emotion in that way is so incredibly difficult for me. And I think it's because it wasn't accepted when I was growing up. Yeah. How have you dealt with that? Like, how have you like worked through that? And especially in a, as a woman, like in a powerful job, I think there still needs to be like, of course, a balance. So Mm -hmm. how do you balance that? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm still do not cry a lot. So when I am crying, it really throws me back. And the first thing I do is try to stop myself. Like, yeah. stop crying. Get You know, get it together. I'm the same way. I'll, like, get <laughs> up. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if I do that really well. I mean, I'm obviously being really vulnerable and, and really raw in everything I'm sharing. But the crying, I still keep to myself. Yeah. yeah I'm still not, you know, just I'm not going to cry in front of people. Yeah. I think even as women, like, who are in, like, power positions or, like, entrepreneurs or founders, like, I think there's a level of, like, almost like a masculine energy we feel like we have to put forward too because we're women in like a society that like aren't viewed in an equal way to men and I think like there's sometimes so much masculine energy we have to put forward that we start like pulling back in feminine ways which is in vulnerability but I think especially expedited if you've been through like a lot and so I think for me like I'm the same way like crying is so hard I can do it in like private but like to, if I start like crying to someone else I'll always say like oh it's just because I'm angry like it's just because I'm angry and my therapist is always like that's that's not angry <laughs> I'm like I know it's because I'm angry yeah. but I'm not and I think I've just gotten better at least at trying to like verbalize like I feel really uncomfortable like telling you this right now but I feel really hurt and like yeah. I still feel like super quote-unquote weak yeah. And I think it's just this level of understanding that it's like not weak and like trying to rewire that habit. As I've been going through the work, um, one of the things that I did was um, was inner child work. And that gets you back. Do you know? Yeah. You, okay. So, yeah, taking get, me back. Get into okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting me back to when I was, you know, a child, um, you know, being abused. And like just it took me back to just being like a corner crying and just terrified um and so scared and so alone and but just experiencing those feelings and like it really it touches my heart so like now I can really feel that emotion of being so hurt and it's it is like a it's like a broken heart when people talk about it 
And so like I can have that feeling and I can express that feeling like I'm I'm just really saddened by this situation. Um, but when the, the crying is still um, like one that I just try to stop. So I guess I'm still on a on a journey. Yeah. Well, the work evolving. never stops. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, I was talking to someone the other day because it was Mental Health Awareness Day or World Mental Health uh-huh. Awareness Day the other day. And I was like. I feel like one of the like on the sad days when you, you know, when you leave therapy and it's like, it's either a good day or a bad day after like on one of the bad days, I feel like I'll be like, this sucks. Like this is, I should have never even started. It's like that (laughs) self-deprecation, like victim mentality vibe. But I say that respectfully with love, but like (laughs) about myself. Um, But on like a good day, I, I feel like I, you have to like make a conscious choice to like see it as beautiful that like we're continually evolving and having to like w- do the work, um, some more than others, obviously. Um, what does that look like for you? Um, I know you talked a little bit about it, but obviously you're still in therapy yeah. um, and you're doing something you really care about. Yeah. So it's, um, I love, I love when I can connect the dots, like yeah. something I'm experiencing, something I'm feeling, but then connect it to where it's coming from. Um, and I need to continue being in therapy because, um, as my daughter grows, you know, new things come out, you know, she's going to be hitting puberty pretty soon and that's going to create a whole nother level of things that I have to work through. I'm sure, um, having this book come out, um, you know, with my family and like kind of addressing that. So like, these are all things that I'm currently working through. Um, and so the therapy needs to continue to allow me to like process, my feelings and how I'm thinking about things and to, I guess, be better, um, in how I respond to the people that I love the most. Yeah. I was like, kind of to that question I have written here, like just talking about the statistic, I'm sure there's a lot of women who, I don't know, are sitting at home or listening to the podcast and they've experienced this, but they don't know what to do. Maybe they, are scared to go to therapy or speak out, like what would you say to someone who's sitting at home like unsure or maybe who hasn't chosen to like speak up or like, and I know something in your book is like how to get your like light back. I mean, I would say the first thing is just like, if you've, you're out of this, the abusive situation, cause right, you have, you gotta be out of it first. Um, but the second thing is I would say journal, I think journaling and just writing it down. Yeah. Um, and if journaling's not your thing, you know, dictate, just in private, letting out whatever is just like circling and ruminating in your mind about what happened and just free flow, right? Don't think about what you're writing. Um, don't analyze what you're writing. You don't even have to go back and read it. Just let it all out in some degree. Um, and I think that's going to just take you to the next step, right? Yeah. Like I think you're going to feel some, like better by yeah. doing it and then kind of wanting that, like mm-hmm. wanting to feel like the next step, the next step. Cause you've, it felt good. Yeah, you know? I can totally relate to that. I feel like there was like a lot of stuff I was holding on to and I was so scared to like vocalize. And then the moment I did, like I actually felt like a physical release, like from my body. I don't know if you've experienced yeah, this. Yeah. And you're like, why did I convince myself that it was going to be easier to not say that out loud? Because I feel like 110% yeah. better. It's like, And then you want to chase it. So it's yeah. like, then you kind of need something to chase that feeling, you know, the like a drug. journey is like a high. It is a high. For sure. <laughs> 100%. And you want more of it. And it doesn't, that's the thing. And it's not overnight. I think I couldn't express that enough for anybody who's listening. It's like, it is not overnight. I wish it was. I wish there was a pill out there. We could take the pill. Poof, we'd be better. 
Um, and it's just not like that. It's just a slow step and some things work, some things don't, some things make sense, some things don't, but like if you don't start it, you'll never get it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I don't know. I mean, we touched on this a little bit, but like logistic wise, maybe someone's like unsure if they're in an unsafe situation at work or maybe, um, they feel uncomfortable, but don't know like how serious it is. Like what's the first step in that process? Like, would you recommend people going to like HR first and then coming to see someone like you? Yeah. So, um, my recommendation, if they are feeling uncomfortable at work, like if somebody is making them feel uncomfortable at work and they don't want it, um, talking to HR, but also documenting it. I think it's really important to same thing, like write things down as to what's happening because you might not remember everything that went on. Um, and it's a good record for you if you ever do bring a case as well. Um, some people are scared to go to HR because they are worried about just their job and like, you know, how, what's going to happen. Um, and so I think having, if you do make a complaint to HR, making it in writing, um, and expressing how you're feeling, um, would be smart. And again, if they're still unsure, they can always call my office or another lawyer's office just to get some advice on like how best to navigate. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to put all your details in the description. <laughs> We're going to get like random calls. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, yeah. Kind of in a different direction, like in your own healing journey. And let me know if this is too personal, but like maybe there's someone out there that's been through something similar as you or like have been through some childhood trauma and they're having a hard time like navigating like their family still being like in their life or maybe they're like alive still and they're wanting to talk about their journey, but they're scared. Like how have you navigated that journey? It's also through therapy. Um, <laughs> therapy is <laughs> the answer. <laughs> therapy is the answer. That is true. Um, I, you know, what I learned was I was so worried about that, right? Because they might not be ready, even though I am, um, is that I can't, re-traumatize them by talking about it. I can't hurt anybody more than they've already been hurt by talking about it. Same like with myself. I can't hurt myself more than what's already happened by talking about it. Um, And so with respect to, you know, your family, it's like those consequences might occur, but it's like you're, you're anticipating something you don't know. Yeah. Of how it's going to happen. So no, totally. I think that's like one of the hardest parts. I feel like most people that I talk to who have been in a space where, Maybe they went through like a chaotic childhood, like whether it was sexual or like emotionally abusive or whatever. And like one of the hardest parts is like they're ready to like share their story or like talk to people or come forward. But they're so worried about more turmoil and more chaos happening with their family. There has to be a point where like you take like your story back. Like it's your life. Like we're all like adults now. Like we're not children anymore. And I think that's like one of the hardest parts about the healing journey is like when you haven't worked through stuff, like you're still that like scared child. Yeah. And like, you're just going to continue, like it's still going to continue to impact you. Right. Um, and that's all I can say is that you can't hurt them or you can't hurt yourself anymore by speaking out. Yeah. If you were to give a little snippet for people, like if you had to be like, this is why you should read my book, like what would you say? Because I know why, because I read even the introduction and I'm like already like, where's my highlighter? (laughs) I just think it's a good way to understand why you do it. Like, why should I be talking about it? Why should I be standing up for myself? Because you're the only one that's going to get hurt and it's going to impact the relationships that you would, you know, want and um, need so much like the relationship with my husband and my the relationship with my daughter they were really important but if I didn't work on myself and I didn't start the healing path they were going to suffer the consequences because I wouldn't be able to enjoy those moments um, 
with them. No one needs to live this like emo, like loner life. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hate to like downplay it in that way. But like, I feel like we get very like stuck in like our own depression and like own trauma. And like, that's not me like victim shaming. It's just me saying like, we get like into this fantasy that like, it would just be better if we like never fucked with anyone again and like are alone and we never talk about it. And I'm just going to be a lone soldier for the rest of my life. And that's just so, so incredibly sad and depressing. And like life is too beautiful and it, it can be beautiful. If Correct. You let it be. Correct. It is beautiful. And it's, and, and I just keep going back to it being short. And I think I just see that, you know, more and more again, as my daughter grows and how fast it is. And I just don't want to miss that relationship with yeah. her you know yeah and I think on like a selfish level because like I don't have kids but like I don't want to waste any more time like being angry about like the same thing over and over right. again it's exhausting yeah and you want to have meaningful relationship even if it's not with your kid just with people like you can't have a meaningful relationship with somebody when you don't think that highly of yourself so at the end of every episode mm -hmm. I always ask people from the beginning of your story like your childhood through starting a firm and then like coming forward with this book you're so I know that at the end of the book you talk about like you're inspired by like brave women but like I'm inspired by women like you who are really brave and like I really appreciate you coming here and just like talking to this stuff because it is really hard and like not enough people are talking about it um, but like, how do you see it? Like if you were to describe it and like talk to like, how do you see this journey and like this continual healing journey? That it's a, it's not a destination. You yeah. just keep going and it just keeps getting better and you want to keep evolving as like a person, as a human. Um, so I see it that it needs to start. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I think you shouldn't wait, wait yeah. to do it. And I think that's really powerful coming from someone like you who has the story you do because a lot of people are like going to be reading this book and listening like this is like a really dark story and like the way you're choosing to frame it and talk about it and use it is so powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And um, but I think that's possible for others too. Yeah. You know, we don't have to be there alone. Yeah. What would you say is like maybe I know you talked about journaling and like obviously going to therapy, but like what are like some like steps that have gotten you to a mental space like that? Because that's like a powerful, very difficult, hard mental space to get in. Yeah. So one of the other big things for me was just like learning that like I could change my thoughts and like change my life essentially. Right. Yeah. You can change your whole reality by just having a different thought. And so you know, doing exercises and meditation to change my thought pattern. Um, kind of like, kind of exercise do you do? What kind of meditation? <laughs> Give us your lawyer uh, badass uh, routine. Oh my goodness. So, um, I don't know if you've heard of Joe Dispenza and yes. so, yeah, so his meditations just to shift like my thought pattern. Like if I'm kind of stuck, um, stuck in like a negative thought, like this isn't going to happen. It's not going to work out. I'm going to fail. It's not going to, you know, um, and, and I'm going down that loop. Um, I essentially like listen to a meditation and it's, you know, it's a while long. It's like an hour long to just kind of shift my focus to what is it that I want? What am I trying to manifest? Where am I trying to go? Like where, what is it that I want to see and get myself there? Like it already happened. Um, I love that. And it just, it shifts everything and the way you view, view how you're viewing everything. Um, and so I do that regularly. I love that. Yeah. I always talk about like affirmations, like affirmations were huge. They still are, but in the beginning of my healing, like therapy journey, like mm -hmm. so intense for me because I was speaking like so much negative crap over myself. I was echoing the negative crap of yeah. my life just like over and over again. Like I was replaying a song 
And I realized that like, there was no way that like I was going to be able to one heal, but two be able to develop relationships where people don't see me in the way I'm telling myself in my head, if I don't think oppositely. And so like every time I would get like that horrible thought, like you're not good enough, like you suck, you should feel horrible about yourself. I would try to match it with like the opposite affirmation. Yep. And I think that's where like the rewiring starts and like people don't find it attainable, but it actually works. Yeah. So I had a coach, I hired a business coach who ended up becoming like more of a mindset coach um, because I was stuck in those negative thought patterns. And so what he would have me do is take that negative thought and then write the affirmative thought over and over again. And I used to think the thing was so stupid. Yeah. Like kid, like who's like said something wrong and you have to say like, I will not lie. I will not lie. Over and over again. But it was actually really good to just, again, rewire your brain to get, and and it started making me recognize the number of negative thoughts that I had. Right. Like, um, and that you're right. Then saying them out loud. So just getting out of that behavior, um, and then with respect to the affirmations, it's kind of like taking it, Dispenza kind of takes it one step further because it's not even just the affirmation. It's like feeling it as though you're already there, right? Yeah. So you're telling yourself and you're feeling um, like you have it. So if you're, you know, again, this podcast is going to be a major success. It's already a major success. Yeah. And you already kind of live in that moment um, as opposed to worrying about, you know, how it's going to go. Yeah. I feel like people think that's like dumb. And in reality, it's like, no, this is, this is how you get things done. (laughs) This is is (laughs) how it happens. Because even if you haven't been through like a crazy childhood trauma, like we've all been through like trauma, like life is not la la la, like perfect. (laughs) Like at one point or another, like someone has put you down in a way that stuck with you since you were a kid. And like, you're going to continue to believe that about yourself unless you change it yourself. And I think you're speaking to like the fact that people don't believe they're like powerful yeah and that and that's what's so amazing you actually can change it you can change the thoughts in your brain it's and it's just like rewiring it reprogramming it so it takes a little bit but then you can do it and that to me is like whoa when i figured that out i was like yeah this is awesome yeah like you get a little taste (laughs) like the high we were talking about yeah yeah um and it's cool because you do it for work too like you're you're empowering women yes Yep. Every oh. day. I know. And I love it. That's <laughs> like, awesome. And especially just seeing people's transformation, you know? Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on oh my and goodness, sharing your story. Ha- yeah. You are a great interviewer. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if, do you, do you have socials for the book, like for your personal? Yet? Yeah. So I have my own personal website um, and it's allreen.com. A-L-R-E-E-N.com. I'm surprised you got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually had it for a very long time, I like but it. I've never used it. So it worked out now um and people can get like a free introduction chapter the, the introduction chapter that you read um people can get it on my site for free okay so, cool yeah. and then they can order the book and they can order well. the book yep okay and did you want to share any of your social channels on social media yet there it's also all read okay, cool. <laughs> on instagram i yeah. love that i'll put everything in the description below okay, awesome thank but you thank you yeah Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys. <laughs>